Welcome to the Arts Access Florida podcast series, When Freedom Rings. In this six-part series, we speak with our Black and Brown community on what has transpired in the art world since the emancipation of slavery on June 19, 1865. We have open conversations on their experiences as people of color and their contributions to art, community, and education. The series highlights their continued efforts to move the needle forward. This is When Freedom Rings. Welcome back. Here's part two of Women of Color with Adriana and Malika. And can I just add, because I was thinking, you know, as two women of color, I mean, I think we have the same personality in ways. It mm-hmm. just comes out differently. But we're both a bit like, let's let's get it mm-hmm. a little bit. And yeah. I think I think as women of color, that's a little bit of our, it's our strength, but it's our weakness. Because I definitely have a hard time asking for help. Mm-hmm. Yes, or I'm, I'm I kind of like overdo it a little bit. And I do it in all aspects of life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a little bit of... Um, I don't want to call it a negative, but something to work on because it it's be important. A it, yeah. yeah, it's important yeah. to be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It's important to you know ask for help, know how to ask for help, and know to how to know that maybe you don't have the best answer for everything, mm-hmm. or 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 sometimes even recognizing that the way someone's approaching you, whether it's for a project or personally or whatever, it's not. Sometimes I'm like, oh, well, you just want this because you think mm-hmm, that right. I am this and I'm not. And it's maybe they're just trying to say hi, you know, uh, or like I feel like people think we're yes man or yes woman. And I love saying no. So like <laughs> like my favorite thing that is like you asked me a question, especially like I mean, mm-hmm. in my experience as DJing, like this has happened like like this past weekend. You want a certain song? I say no. And like they like they look at you. They're like, well, I'm like, no, I don't have to do that. I don't want to do that. And then even in the PMDMC, the the conference we went to up in Chicago, um, like they made a joke and it was like talking about burnout. And they're like, you're allowed to tell your boss no, which is absolutely correct. You're allowed mm-hmm. to say no for something. So, I think that's something we forget too. Is like we can say no. We have the yeah. power to say no because we've always been forced into a nice yes or a soft yes or, uh, maybe I guess I'll do it or let me let me let. Me. No, nah, I'll straight up say no. But in that time being you still got to be you and do what you have to do to get to that point mm-hmm. so like there's there's been women of my life women of color in my life who have given me that like motherly advice while you're enjoying this episode of arts access florida we want to tell you about another podcast we think you'll like the zest is wusf's podcast about food in florida we explore food history chat with award-winning chefs and more listen at thezestpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts so dealing with imposter syndrome growing up and then um, dealing with imposter syndrome as an adult, still trying to figure out your identity and develop, mm-hmm. you know, who you are and being comfortable with how you present yourself to the world, we'll say it like that. Um, what you learned from childhood, how has that benefited you and how is it still benefiting you as an adult? I would say I think my imposter syndrome growing up was less on race I didn't, I don't think I felt, I think I felt more imposter syndrome within my family than I did in the community because everybody connected yeah. through music. Yeah. Okay. Everybody's really connected through music. So growing up, I listened to all kinds of music. So I was like kind of known as that anyways. Like, I, I guess you can say I was a DJ forever, but like I was always in different kinds of music. So I always made friends or I was always the new kid everywhere. So I, I hated making, I, I knew how to make new friends. Like I know how to like come in, whatever. It, it was never an issue for me. So I think in my adulthood yeah that helped me big time being able to just all right we're gonna drop you here and then figure it out and make friends blah 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 so there there's that but 
I honestly had this conversation with the with our boss, both of our bosses, the other day about imposter syndrome. Because when I got this job, I we were like a talking point, girl. Yeah, when I got this job, I was very like, oh, how how did I get this job? Like, all I did was apply and. I come in here and we're doing all this stuff and I'm like, wow, maybe like I'm not cut out for this. Like maybe maybe I did the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they saw in my like application. They were like, sure, this is it. Um, but I felt like this very huge. I've never felt it as big as I have until I took this job. And it wasn't until the conference that we all went to and we're sitting in. And I, I want to say I've, I've slowly been coming, been overcoming that like imposter syndrome feeling. But this conference we went to, um, what they were talking about and all the sessions I was sitting in, like pretty much affirmed, like you're in the right spot, like you're in the right place. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, my I feel like my background may be a little different and in coming into um, nonprofit because I worked in commercial TV and live broadcasting, sports and all that and all that stuff. But coming here now and seeing that, hey, not only did I like have the skills to have this job, I have other skills that like is benefiting this job way more, like all this video setup and everything else we've been doing. We're trying to like take the station and, you know, be digital first and all these um, policies, not policies, all these projects that we're doing and the way we're trying to like progress forward. I realize now I'm like, all right, I'm in the spot I'm supposed to be. I'm like, I'm perfect where I'm at. The confidence in who you, who I am or who, like whoever is, like the confidence who you are. And if you're like locked and loaded in that and you know what you're doing and you know what you're capable of, I feel like that helps combat the imposter syndrome all the way. Because you can still feel it here and there. But then something would happen that you know the answer to or you know how to fix whatever. You're like, all right, I'm good. Like, it's just, it's just, I'm all in my head about it. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like, yeah, that like, your past experience and how you morph that into confidence and into strength, I feel like that spills over into not only your personal life, but into your professional life as well, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and I, I would say something similar. Like, I feel like, you know, having that imposter syndrome is not unique. Like, everybody feels that. I don't think there's anyone who doesn't feel that at some point in their life. I think what I've kind of turned it into as I've as I'm growing up is, um, well, maybe I am an imposter here and that's fine. Like maybe I am different and that's, that's Mm -hmm. a positive. You know, I think I spent too much time when I was younger trying to be like everyone else and it just wasn't working. You know, I remember I used to always used to feel like people were staring at me, you know, when I was younger and I would talk about it and, and, and I think I made it negative. Like, I'm like, oh, they're staring at me because I'm, I'm black and I'm the only black person in these white spaces or I, I, I always made it negative. And then now I'm seeing it as like, well, maybe it's something special. Maybe they're, they're gravitating towards me or maybe I'm giving off something that they like or, or, or whatever, you know, and you can use that to your advantage. And so instead of telling yourself you're an imposter, maybe you're you're providing something that isn't in that space that that space needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's kind of how mm-hmm. I've been trying to turn it over in my head. I mean, I felt the same way when I got this job. I mean, I really only got over that super, what am I doing here? Probably like a month or two ago, because I just felt like, I was like, how did how did this happen? And mm-hmm. do I have the right tools? Like, I didn't know anything about NPR or like I barely I mean, I knew what NPR was, but I didn't know anything about WSF public media. I, I, I never worked in a nonprofit before. I just was felt like maybe I wasn't the right person. And I, you know, every step that I took those first few months, well, no, the first like six months were really hard. But I've had that experience at every single job where I felt like. What am I doing here? And I think it, it comes to what Adriana is saying. There's like a level of confidence you eventually start to have in yourself and you realize, okay, well, I must be here for a reason. Like, mm-hmm. 
there's so many other people they could have picked. They picked me for a reason, mm-hmm. and that reason might be something that's making me feel different. And and yeah, that might seem like an imposter syndrome, but that's probably a good thing. Like in my head now, like that term is positive. I don't use it as a there's something wrong with me. I shouldn't be here. I use it as, oh, I'm probably supposed to be here so we can change what's going on here. Yeah, I like how you put that. Like, maybe, oh, yeah, I'm an imposter. Because, like, it's it's in the room that else. you're Yeah, in the room that you're in, it's always, like, cut and paste that you see. And then the mm-hmm. moment you're in there, you're like, maybe I'm not supposed to be in here. And then you realize, like, oh, I'm supposed to bring change. Like, I, I yeah. don't want to be the person that, like, oh, I'm I'm the pioneer for all this, but it's obviously you're here to, maybe like, Maybe you're change. just adding yeah. something. So Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. To that, um, to that effect, I wanted to ask a little ba- bit about in combating imposter syndrome or kind of owning it. I wanted to ask you guys a little bit about if you can talk a little bit about moving into the workforce. So mm-hmm. like you had mentioned, having to all the kids around you in school being 10 steps ahead at age 12 just because of who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to hear a little bit about um, how you just worked in general, um, like, I know you both mentioned difficulties in college, which I feel like we can all relate to. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can talk a little bit about that and then what it was like um, moving into the workforce that you're in now, because I think the both of us would like to hear a little bit about, um, like, advice in that terms yeah. afterwards. Okay. So I think, yeah, I can go. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, it was hard. So, like, trying to find my identity and what I want to do in the world that was hard because my parents were like you know you need to do this you need to do that you make you need to make sure you're making good money you know so in school mm-hmm. I was doing everything to please them and it wasn't until which I, I think in high school I should have took this as a sign but it like I they did like CNA and tried to like get my certification I didn't pass mm-hmm. like one part of the test I should have took that as a sign to like get out and do something different but I didn't I actually the college that I went to Valdosta State University they had an athletic training program for undergrad, and I was the only college in the state that had that. So I was like, all right, let's go do that. So I went to try to do that. Yeah, that was, like, the horrible, like, the worst thing ever. I, like, failed my first class in college, and I, like, went on a world. Like, that's, I spiraled. Mm. I, like, it was horrible. So I was like, all right, let's switch my major. So I went from athletic. Now, as I'm doing all this, all the stuff I'm doing here now, this is what I was doing for fun as a child. Like, video editing, mm. photography, whatever, and I was, like, really good at it. I actually helped a friend get into, like, a, 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 a an arts high school because, like, I did his project for him. And so, like, <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And so, but to my parents, it's like, oh, you're never going to make money doing that. You're, you know, you're going to be freelance. You're going to be sleeping on somebody's couch this that night. So you believe that. You take that in whatever. And so, you know, I was like, all right, athletic training, exercise fizz. Nope, that doesn't work. All right, um, let's take a break from college. All right, cool. I had to fix my GPA now. And so when I finally graduated, I graduated with a degree in mass media and TV and film production. I didn't even want that degree. I just wanted to get out of college at this mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had to learn to do what I wanted to do in a sense. I was just like, you know, and I, I, I like how you have these like heated conversations with your parents. But I, I even told them, I was like, hey, like if you guys would have supported what I was doing back then, I didn't, wouldn't have to go to college for that. Like I could be making like really great money or I could have been doing X, Y, Z and they were just quiet. Obviously they don't know they want the best for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I had to t- show my sisters that. I'm like, hey, like, yeah, mm-hmm. they got the best interest at heart for us. I was like, but they don't know what they're talking about. They didn't grow up in America. They didn't yeah. go to college. They don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, we lived on a military base. And when you're on a military base, like, you're very sheltered. Everything is done for you when you are in the, when you are in an active service member. The moment you get out, 
that's it. You don't have somebody making your appointment for you. You don't have like go here to get this, go there to get that. You have to like figure that out all on your own. And so I think that was a disconnect for us too because me, me and my sister talk about it now because like there are certain things we didn't know because uh, we were just living on base and or we were living in housing that, you know, that was provided by base and everything was done on base. So it was all central. It's like its own little government. It's own little community on there. Yeah. So going from those experiences and working now now i know it's like hey if i know i can do something i'm gonna gonna do it and if i know i can't do something i have no problem saying i can't do this um i i I say as advice like do what you want to do because at the end of the day that's what's going to bring you happiness one and the money's going to come there's definitely been times like at my last station at where i was working at I, i was in such a dark place because right when covid happened um they took away our lunch breaks and so we were sitting in a room like this going live on TV, eight hours straight, six mm-hmm. hours straight, can't even get out to go use the bathroom. And like, I like, I, like this, this may be a little crude, but I'm like, hey, like I have like female things I gotta go deal with and come back. I can't be sitting in this room all damn day. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's situations where you know it's not healthy for you, it's not good for you, you have to find that way out. Like you have to keep pushing and something great will happen. And this is that something great. This job was that something, like I was looking for yeah. a new job for at least three years. When I the moment I got to that station, I was like, all right, I can see myself here for two years. And then the pandemic happened and then all that went out the door because everything had to switch. Mm. And so I think for those two years of working, I had like really bad burnout. And even when I got to this job and it's so different because I went from working every second of the day, literally every second of the day to now where it's like, hey, like maybe you get done with stuff early or, you know, you have it. You have a different a different way of working because like now it's like research or video or whatever like it doesn't have to always be something I'm turning out as product to be finished work so I think what to take and take with with that is like whatever experience you have like you 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 it, it comes with you to your next place so when I got here I had to tell myself I'm like hey they move at a slow rate like this isn't live tv live tv we're moving like this here I had to remind myself I'm like all right it may take them three weeks to finish this project instead of four hours to turn this video and get it live on air so I th- I think with that it's it's you take your experiences with you but you also if you know what you want to your core that's that's what you stick with all the way through. Yeah, it's funny because I I mean mine's very similar. Like I almost the same thing. Like I went to college. I I I didn't know what I wanted to do. I changed my major oh, so many times. I I you know it was it was a it was a good experience, but college was just very difficult for me because I felt so lost. I felt so lost and confused and nothing felt right and if I had just stuck with the things that I knew I liked mm-hmm. to do I would have it would have been so much easier I probably wouldn't have even would have gone finished quicker I would have <laughs> finished quicker I probably would have gone to a completely different school mm-hmm. because the school I went to was more like science-based and I've always been more arts-based always like but I you know that's just not the path I took because I got into the school and I was like hey yeah I'm going um but I I think you know, kind of like she said, just do what you like to do. You know, I had parents, too, who as well, you know, I feel like my parents were a little bit more of a mix. It was kind of like do what makes you happy, but also like you need to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad always my dad still says this to me. And, you know, now that I'm a little bit older, I can really take it in because he always would say sometimes you have to do things you don't want to do to do the things mm-hmm. you want to do. Yeah. And I'd always be like, but I want to do what I want to <laughs> do. Like, I'm like, I don't want to just work and hate it. He's uh-huh. like, but sometimes you have to do that in order to get to where yeah, you want to go. I, yeah. And that was like 
so hard for me to understand. You know, when I left college, I I got it. I like would search for jobs for months, like six, eight months looking for that one detail in the description that sounded like something I would enjoy and I would find it. Um, but, you know, there was other things at the job that weren't great. Maybe I wasn't getting paid as much. Mm-hmm. Maybe I, you know, I was working like a dog at my first job. I mean, I really worked hard at that job for like pennies like it was rough but I got great experience out of it and it was kind of fun and that's where I met a lot of great people and then I went to my second job which was um also during the pandemic and I I I hated working there not because the job was bad it was just it was such a lonely job you know I I but it was the job that I did a lot of video stuff at you know I did a lot of editing which I had studied in college and that was the actual practice of what I'd learned so I gained a lot even though it wasn't necessarily fun and I like hated working there but it was also one of those jobs where I was like yeah I'm gonna work here like as Mm -hmm. I got the job I was like yeah this is like a two-year gig and um as soon as it gets around the two-year like I'm looking for something else Mm -hmm. which is exactly what happened and then I ended up here and this is the job that I feel like you know, they say there are certain jobs you're supposed to get that, like, are really meant for you. And I really feel like I was meant to have this job, you yeah. know. Even the other jobs before, I felt like I was supposed to have those jobs. You know, I, I saw them. I was like, yeah, I'm getting this job. And I got them. Mm-hmm. And that's happened. This is the third time that's happened to me. And sometimes I think jobs are meant for you and the experiences you have. Like, I feel like I was supposed to go to that other, like, my other college that I really struggled at because it it made me who I am today. So I do really agree. Like stick to stick to what you really enjoy. And like she said, like the money will come at some point. Yeah. And there's and there and like, you know, to bring it back to the parents what they say, you know, there it's also being said because we're we're women mm-hmm. and we're yeah, women of absolutely. color. So mm-hmm. it's this level of like you do need this. And everybody needs to be financially stable. You know, I sure I like to do what I do, but do I everybody wants more money all the time Mm because it's just easier like it's obviously easier and it takes away these stresses Mm -hmm. that people who have a lot of money don't have or they have different problems but you know it's money is important but it's also equally important to be mentally happy and healthy so that you can you know if you're happy and healthy you can give yourself more opportunities to make more money or you can even think more clearly and maybe you can come up with your own idea you know so it's all important and I definitely like see why my parents still tell me that and I hear it. Mm-hmm. I definitely mm-hmm. hear it and like it, it's why I make certain choices I make today. Um, but I still say do a little bit of what makes you happy. Even if you have to work a job you don't like but on the side, you know, I used mm-hmm. to you know, do things I didn't like but on the side I would go take a dance class every week. I would took acting classes. I, you know, all the kinds of things I enjoyed and then eventually they all kind of, I don't know, things just work out if you just keep keep doing the things that you care about. It's funny that you mentioned um, the advice that your your dad gave you saying, uh, oh, it was so eloquently put. Sometimes, like sometimes you have yeah. to work a job that you hate. My great grandmother would say she would tell my mom. My mom would tell me sometimes you have to do the thing. Sometimes you have to do the things you have to do in order to do what you want to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So stable black Same, community. Yeah. Boom. You're, mm-hmm, you're in there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to say that you guys have given some really, really great anecdotes from people in your life and just your own personal experience. So I wanted to kind of wrap up. But recap the if if you could pick one out of everything that you said in this interview, what would be the best piece of advice that you've gotten for navigating this life? Mm. Be you all the way through. Like wholeheartedly, like whatever that is, be you all the way through because people like accept 
genuine people if you're or if your vibe is genuine if whatever you're doing is genuine like people can read on that and you will lose people you will lose friends for that you will lose family for that maybe too but as long as you're your genuine self there's nobody else that can take that away from you all the way through yeah same thing be yourself and i want to use another term that i didn't say earlier but it's 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 a little like joke that i've had with like my friends for a long time which it's funny because we would say find your light because i always used to take pictures and I'd be the one black person in the picture and I wouldn't be getting enough light. And it became like this little running joke like, oh, where's Malika in the picture? And at the time, you know, it was about that. But it, as as I got older, it turned into, you know, something else. Like when I was 21 in college, you see how they make those signs when you turn 21 and everybody goes out drinking. Even I didn't really like to drink. Mine said, oh, root, yeah. mine was like a light bulb and it said, find your light. Because it had come this like kind of like empowering yeah, thing. Like, you cool. know, like be yourself. Don't dim yourself for other people because I kind of was always – hiding myself or trying to make myself smaller in order to make other people feel comfortable, which a lot of people do. Mm. Um, but I think, yeah, just find find yourself and, and recognize that that's a journey that doesn't stop. And um, being like a, a woman of color, like being who you are is definitely enough. Um, I think, you know, society is there's a there's a constant like they're saying we're enough, but what you see is not showing that we're enough. It's 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 kind of we're actually not even there. Mm-hmm. And so like that makes you feel less than and um, recognizing and knowing that you're not is something that's really important. It's something like I think I have slowly but surely taught myself like I know I'm enough. And I think I even knew when I was a kid because thankfully I had parents and other people who were like affirming that in me. But now I feel like I really know for myself. Mm-hmm. So I Anybody listening, I hope you can find that for yourself and just, you know, believe that what you have is enough and you can do whatever you set your mind to if you just keep working for it. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to work. (laughs) You got to work. You got to work. You got to get up and work. Got to do that. Well, thank y'all so very much for letting us interview you. Thank you, guys. This is a great conversation. It was so fun. Awesome. Cool. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Arts Access Florida podcast series, When Freedom Rings. You can listen to all episodes wherever you stream podcasts or watch all episodes on our YouTube channel. Just search Arts Access Florida. We can't forget to thank our sponsors, Community Foundation Tampa Bay and Gobioff Foundation. This series was created by Malika Hollis and not possible without the help of Adriana Rodriguez and more. This is a product of WUSF Public Media. Copyright 2022. WUSF Public Media.